0: which is really welcome and I know many of you have never been to Africa but you get a chance to feel for that today. My name is Mark Ottenweller and uh, soon my wife Lynn will be coming up here. hope she's out there somewhere. (laughs) You know the Bible says a wife of noble character who can find so if you find her (laughs) just bring her in here. (laughs) No, Lynn worked last night. She worked all night last night, so I thank God she's even here. But uh, uh, I'm a doctor. I lived in Africa for 18 years and uh, experienced a lot of these places, visited these places. And uh, I just thank God for you, for the North River Church, for for all you've done. Um, It's just amazing what's happened all over Africa. I wish you could just go and see the vibrant, growing churches. Uh, I am a doctor, brought a stethoscope just to prove it. Uh, Lynn is a nurse and uh, I did graduate from LSU Medical School. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Just throw that in there. Um, But I I do want to thank you for, for all you've done. And I want you to know right at the beginning that I am completely insane. I'm totally out of my mind. And I'm crazy for Africa and the children there. And I hope and pray that today I can inspire you to feel exactly the same way. I hope you can get involved in the CauseVox campaign. You'll hear about it today, about helping little orphans and children across Africa. We've helped about 30,000 already. And uh, man, God's done some incredible things. And I hope we continue to support the program there and the little children. So please, everyone today, get on CauseVox.com. Amen. Try to advance this. I've got the clicker, but I can't uh, advance it. Turn, uh, turn it on. Turn it on. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> today, we're gonna, today, we're gonna talk about the heart. The heart's an amazing thing. Is this on? Yeah. The heart's an amazing thing. Uh, your heart beats about 115,000 beats a day. In your lifetime, if you live to be 80, it'll beat about three billion times. Your heart. It pumps about 7,600 liters of blood uh, per day. That's about 2,000 gallons in a day. Over a lifetime, about 200 million liters of blood or about 50 million gallons of blood. That's your heart. It travels through the blood vessels of the body, many large, many small ones, over a course of a day of about 60,000 miles. This is your heart beating inside of your chest. And so God talks about the heart a good bit in the Bible. We also, as a doctor, we can examine the heart. This is a stethoscope to listen to the heart, a chest x-ray to look at the silhouette of the heart and how big it is and how it's doing. EKG to measure the electrical impulses in the heart. This is an echocardiogram to measure the valves of the heart and also the pump of the heart in terms of uh, how it's cardiac output. This is a coronary angiogram, and this is a uh, dye going through the coronary arteries, and we can, we can test that to see if there are any blockages. A blockage doesn't really cause chest pain until it's about 90% blocked. Very late in the course, that's why it's important to go to the cardiologist, amen? Amen. Today, we're going to go to our spiritual cardiologist. This is in Jeremiah 17. God says, "'Cursed "Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes.' They will dwell in a parched place of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. This is a lonely heart. This is a wasted heart. This is an unproductive, fruitless heart. This is a heart that's languishing in the wasteland. That's not what God wants of us. But that's what happens when we depend on ourselves. We get those kind of results. God doesn't want that. He wants us to trust in him and put our confidence in him. If so, we'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream It never fears when he comes, its leaves are always green, has no worries in a year of drought, never fails to bear fruit. This is God's desire for you, for your heart, from the cardiologist in heaven. He says, the heart is deceptive above above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? But I, the Lord, search the heart, examine the mind to reward each person according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. We have a problem. We have a lying heart. And that's happened to you before. Maybe you haven't thought about it. Remember that time you thought you were really right about something but totally wrong? Maybe you felt strongly about something, found it was really stupid, it wasn't really true at all. Sometimes I do that in the shower. I have an argument with myself. I usually win, and I'm usually wrong. Okay? <laughs> but God says... I search the heart, I examine the mind, and I reward each person according (coughs) to his conduct according to what his deeds deserve. God not only examines our hearts, he rewards our hearts. He gives us a change of heart. And so despite the fact that we have a serious problem with that lying heart of ours, God has a cure and he has treatment and he will help us to be healed. Amen? Amen. This is very, very important. We'll talk about some implications of, th- of this in a minute. But this is God's, God's heart for us is to see this and to understand how God feels. He says, just to give you an idea about how he feels about us, he says, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no bomb at Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is no healing for the wound of my people? This is God speaking personally about us. Oh, that my head was spring of water and eyes a fountain of tears. I'd weep all day and night for the slain of my people. This is how your cardiologist feels about you. That's why you can trust him. Amen? Amen. He weeps over our sins and our struggles and our challenges. And that's why we can imitate him and his heart. Amen. We can learn to weep over our sins. You can learn to do that. Weep over your sins. Not only that, you can learn to weep over the sufferings of other people from God. See that? In fact, this is repeated a number of times all throughout the Bible. Here in Exodus 3, he says, I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cry. Later in Luke, he says, he weeps over Jerusalem. (coughs) Excuse me. He weeps over Jerusalem because he sees the sin and the consequences of sin and the destruction of Jerusalem that was coming. And so this is why we can trust and we can imitate our cardiologist, amen? We can give ourselves to him first. And then we'll talk about the poor and the lost here in a second. But let's imitate God's heart, amen? The poor and the lost test our hearts. So Lynn's gonna come up and share about that now. Here you go, Lynn. Here you go. Thank you, honey.
1: Good morning. You know, I'll never forget the first time that I took care of a child that had been abused. Uh, it was a little defenseless baby boy, and I can close my eyes and i 'm almost there right now. You know, I remember my emotions were so raw, I was so indignant, I was so angry, I listened to lies and excuses, and i I just kept wrestling with what happened, and the whole time I looked at the body of a child that would never be okay and it I, I just felt so alarmed and so heartbroken, not only for that child, but for all the other children who suffer because of are victims to someone, you know? I'd love to say that that was the only patient I ever had who'd been abused. Over the years, unfortunately, I've had to take a lot, care of a lot of kids that have been abused. And I'd love to say, you know, so for all of them, it's horrible with all of them. Some are worse than others. I'd love to say that I reacted the same way always, but I can't, because I think desensitization is a real thing. You know, it it just hurts to hurt. It even hurts to feel good things sometimes, you know what I mean? We don't want to enjoy a sunrise because maybe we won't get to experience something else. We, We can easily desensitize ourselves. It's a real thing. You know, it's defined as to make insensitive or non-reactive. We don't react anymore. We don't have that same, I mean, literally, I thought, I'm not going to make it in nursing because I'm going to kill this guy. I I was so indignant, I thought, how do I have some self-control right now? To where, okay, what's the patient's name? What does he need? Okay, what meds is he on? Next. Next. And it happens, and I'm not proud of that, but I've wrestled with desensitized heart in many areas. You know, Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. I find that interesting that in a book that like every sentence is filled with wisdom, there's this one phrase that says above all else because desensitization is a real thing. It's a real thing in the hospital. I watched a neurosurgeon look at a family whose son was brain dead and literally say, your kid's dead, what else do you want me to say to you? And I literally was, I remember following him just thinking, I cannot believe this just happened. But you know, years of watching hard stories and not knowing what to do with all the emotions and still be able to operate, creates something in us if we're not careful. It happens in life with your children. You know, it happens with your marriage. And it happens in the church where we become desensitized to things that once moved us. Um, It's something that I fear so much in my own heart. You know, I think God tells us, above all else, guard your heart because it does affect everything else. It makes a difference in everything else we do. I've had to guard my heart from being desensitized when grief seemed unbearable. I don't know how many of you have experienced that. I got with the college kids on Friday night to talk about the death of the sister of one of the sisters and to watch the hurt. You know, we just sometimes just want to walk away and not feel. Or when your marriage is going rough and you want to pull back. Or when parenting challenges come. Or when people hurt and disappoint us in the church. Or we could go on and on and on. There's just too much abuse in the world. You know, this week I was in Marietta Square and some, a man that I know very well came up asking me for something and telling me a story of a crisis that occurred. And I've heard several crises from him. Um, but I went to buy him lunch, you know, and when I went to the restaurant. They said, we know him. He does this all the time. I said, I know him. But that doesn't change the fact that I don't want to become so hard that I can't do anything. Maybe I'm doing this more for me than I am for him. And sometimes we just have to guard that heart. But you know what I love is that scripture. I love where it says, um, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And I love it because it's super practical. He's saying two things. He's saying, first of all, we have a choice to make. And second, it's a daily choice, maybe a moment choice. It's a choice when we come to church and we sit here to either worship God or sit here and mouth words. It's a choice to reach out to someone who's here today for the first time and really is looking for a church home and notice them and see them. It's a choice when our kids wear us out to keep loving and to keep sensitive. I love that God changed my heart when I became a Christian and he gave me a new heart, but that wasn't enough for me. I'm glad that he keeps doing it. I'm glad that he keeps finding me where I'm at and he keeps working on my heart and he keeps tenderizing my heart. And he fights for my heart because I need that so much. You know, I think for all of us, I really wanna encourage you to allow God to keep your heart tender. To not, like, even when we say things like, this is just one example, when we talk about orphans in Africa, that it's not like, yeah, 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 we've already talked about that. Or when we say, you know, they are visitors here, that we don't just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that our hearts engage and stay tender so that God can really work in our hearts. I love Proverbs 11:25. 25. It says, a generous soul will prosper, and he who refreshes others will be refreshed. We can never outgive God. When we give our hearts away, we make a difference. Thank you. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thank you, honey. Wow. That's my wife. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is the thing I really wanted to talk about. Is I know there are different challenges we face. We go through things every day, and we don't want our hearts to become desensitized or callous or hardened. But how do the poor and lost help us to change our hearts? One of the biggest struggles I've had in my life is self-pity. And when things don't go well, I work hard, but then I go, whoa, this is not working, and oh my gosh, and (coughs) where's God here? And my family and my wife and my friends, and they don't appreciate it, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and all that, and I just slide right into self-pity. It's a bottomless pit. Problem with the pity party is you go there, nobody comes. You've been there, right? And you feel sorry for yourself. I mean, it's so destructive. It leads me to to withdraw, to pull back, to to lust, to pornography, to things like that. Self-pity, it's destructive. But when we learn about other people's problems and we have compassion, we realize that instead of feeling uh, sorry for ourselves, we can feel sorry for them. That's compassion. And the poor and the lost can teach us to be filled with compassion. Amen? And we don't have to be worried about ourselves all the time and feel sorry for ourselves. We can feel sorry for them. We don't have to be so self-indulgent. Wow. That's the biggest challenge in America, right? Isn't that right? Everything we do is for our comfort and, and to feel good. I've had people tell me, well, well, Mark, you know, I, I can't get my needs met there in the church. Our church is not here to meet your needs. Hello, we're here to meet God's needs. We're here to praise God, give honor and glory to him, not to you. And so you'll never be happy. I don't know if those people are gonna be happy in heaven because they're always gonna be, where's my needs, where are my needs? In heaven, you give honor and glory to God. And that's what it's all about. And so we can learn from the poor to sacrifice, to be open-hearted, not to be, not to be resentful. That happens a lot in marriages and families. The poor can teach us to be merciful and forgiving. God desires mercy and not sacrifice. I had someone in this room tell me a couple years ago, I'm tired of hearing about the orphans. They make me feel guilty. And I thought, wow, well, I better change the way I talk about them. <laughs> and then I thought, I need to talk about them a lot more, Amen. Because they'll help us to be, to be merciful and to be gracious, to be thankful, genuinely thankful, grace, grateful for what we have. Amen? Amen. And the grace of God will cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And so there's so many things the poor can teach us about kindness and mercy, has said, not to be so busy and preoccupied. I'll share a story in a minute about that, but, but to be loving. And so the Holy Spirit's, not only working on the lives of the poor and, and, and the lost, the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. To help us to be filled with compassion and mercy and kindness through the lost and the poor. And so, brothers and sisters, we can learn a lot about this. I remember Ben Roundtree, a young guy came out in South Africa, about 25 years old. And he said, he's at the end of a week or so serving the poor, he said, you know, the little children were so open-hearted. They came and they hugged us. They came, they just bombed us with, with loves and hugs. They didn't even know us. But they were so open-hearted. And he said, the women learned that from the children. I thought that was pretty insightful thank you very much women for doing that okay for learning from children he said the men learn from the women brothers let's learn for women and children how to be open-hearted and so God doesn't want us to be guilty oh about the poor and and the lost and the orphans God doesn't want us to feel like it's an obligation oh I got to do that again this year it's such an inconvenience that's not that's not what we're talking about we're talking about being filled with mercy and compassion and kindness. And, ch- and children and orphans and people in need, the lost and the poor can really, really teach us that. You know, we read the Bible and we, and we listen to God's words, to Jesus' words, and we pray and we speak to Jesus, right? When we help the poor, we touch Jesus. That's very different. This is kind of a spectator sport, what we're doing right now. God wants us to get in the game, Amen. And so we can all hear, every one of us can be studying the Bible with someone. Is that right? Right? We can all do that. We can all be helping the poor. And we'll develop some new programs here in in, uh, uh, Atlanta to do that. So we'll help. We'll facilitate that. But all of us can be involved in helping the poor and the lost. And God will bless us with mercy and kindness and compassion. I'm just telling you, that's what I've learned. We can learn a lot from the poor and the lost. Blesses a man who will eat the feast of the kingdom of God. This is about the story of the great banquet, They're having a banquet there. Actually, they had a beggar's banquet. We did that once in South Af- uh, in Abidjan and in South Africa, where we just invite beggars to a big banquet. Read it in Luke 14. But God has a plan, and he wants to get all of his friends and neighbors involved. He wants to invite everybody to this great banquet. And He's kind of getting excited about it. (laughs) And he he wants to invite everybody. And he says, you know, I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. And I was thirsty you gave me something to drink. See, Jesus relates to the poor, the least of the brothers. Jesus was poor. They gave two doves when he was presented at the temple. We know they didn't have much. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. Jesus certainly felt that way. I was naked and I was clothed. I was sick and you, you visited me and helped me. And so he relates to the poor. So here's the secret. Jesus wants to invite all of us to this banquet to sit down with him. And if we serve the poor, Jesus will come and serve us. If we feed the poor, Jesus will stoop down and feed us. He stoops down to make us great. If we wipe away the tears of their eyes, Jesus himself will wash away every tear from our eyes He's planning a banquet and he wants us to invite the poor and the lost to this great banquet. Listen, I've already said I'm completely insane, right? Didn't I say that? My heart's and prayer desire for you is you would be insane about Powder Springs and Austell and Kennesaw, that you would be out of your mind <coughs> to help Alpharetta and, and Sandy Springs and Roswell. You'd be completely insane about Decatur and about Fayetteville and Peachtree City and, and Gwinnett. Out of your mind, completely insane, and bring those people into the kingdom of the Son that God loves. Amen. We can all do that. And we can all learn that from the, the poor and the lost. You know, God has great things in mind for us. I hope we can all be involved in that. I hope we can all bring our friends and neighbors And be excited about the things that we do. I certainly learned a lot of that in Africa. And I thank God for Africa and the people that taught me. But here's the people I think that are going to be at that banquet. That's a fellow from here, Adoye. It's his wife, Megan. They're working with little kids. She seems a little more excited than he does, but he thinks he's tired. (laughs) I Think we wore him out. But I want to tell you about this girl in the middle, Maggie Shy. I was walking down the street with her, walking down a street, a very poor area outside Johannesburg, and she saw this little girl, and I just stopped, and I grabbed my cell phone because she reached down and she took off her scarf and put it around this little girl, total stranger. She'd never met before. I was blown away, and then I realized something, that this is what God wants us to do, amen? random acts of kindness. We can learn it from the poor and the lost. And I think God will welcome all these people in his banquet into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Thank you very much for all you're doing in Africa. Thank you for all that Africa is doing for us. Amen. And let's rise up and be thankful to God for all he's done. Thank you. Love you. Thank you for all you've done.